Here, Here we, we go. Go, 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 go again. Oh yeah. What is up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and boys. Today, uh, we're going to recap the inspiring performance of Francis Ngannou in his boxing debut versus Tyson Fury. Um, and what this could all mean for the future, I guess we could say, of Francis mm-hmm. Ngannou. Uh, then we will get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night, which is main evented by Derek Lewis versus Jalatin Almeida. Um, then we are going to give you guys our top five UFC's, I guess we'll say, most well-rounded fighters right now. But we have added a little twist to it. Um, so stick around and find out what that is. Um, and finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of MMA and more. But first, boys, how are we doing? Episode 156 of the Neon Belly Podcast, or as some people have called it, the number of hourly gongs, a clock strikes in one day episode of the Neon Belly mm. Podcast. Uh, 78 in the AM, 78 in the PM for those keeping score. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. How are we doing, boys? What do you for those? What are you doing? You just going to Google and like typing in a Dude, number? People just tell me. Oh, people just tell you. That. I just literally he gets letters, I, postcards. It's crazy. Yeah. I like literally came home. This one was literally on a post-it note on my front door, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure it was my neighbor across the street. Mm-hmm. And you have a no soliciting sign on your door. Yeah, literally. It's and like, they're still. It's literally like painted into the door. Yeah. It came with the house. Gotcha. It's <laughs> a good perk. I mean, <laughs> but nobody listens to it. No. <laughs> oh my gosh! I had one guy. Uh, I think it was like over the summer. He literally like came. It was either this summer or last. I might have told the story on the podcast, but he literally came, rang the doorbell. As soon as I opened the door, he's like, "Oh man, sorry, I just saw that." And it's like, "No, you saw it. You just you, waited you for still me." Want to hear he, it yeah, or? exactly. That's exactly what it was. Do I you was like chocolate? So, I mean, so annoyed. <laughs> like, there's no point. I get why. Like, we get in this neighborhood, we get haggled all summer long. Mm. I mean, it's just outrageous. I mean, it's easy. You're in all in a circle yeah, right here in the it's, cul-de-sac. It's the whole neighborhood. They just, people yeah. come, they ride those little like kneeboard things that they got <laughs> around our neighborhood all summer long. Uh, we're selling pest control. Oh, I get those uh, a lot. We're, pest control. We're Have you ever yeah, seen the spider? You, you ever live, seen this yeah, guy running yeah. around? Yeah. You live in a neighborhood similar to mine. I'm sure you guys get haggled. Uh, do you want your yard de-weeded? Weeds? We'll do weeds. Windows. Yeah. I mean, it's just nuts. Dude. Roofing. Like, leave me alone. No. Absolutely not. Do you look look at my yard? Do you think I care that there's weeds in it? Absolutely not. <laughs> Dude, uh, my uh, my great grandma used to be one of those older people who had like seven beware of dog signs, but never yeah. had a dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the move right there, honestly. Um, boys, so the Tyson Fury Francis and Ganu thing. Uh, there's just so much to talk about there. Um, you know, we almost I added the top five most well-rounded because I honestly thought we weren't going to have much to talk about. And then this fight happens and it plays out the way that it played out. Um, and we're just going to have to get to it per usual because there is so much to talk about and we do have a thing that we're adding into the episode. So with that, let's get into it. But before we do, Brandon, rate, sub, follow. Let people know. Rate, sub, follow, guys. You can find us all over the place. We're on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify. You can give us written reviews on Apple as well. We really appreciate those five stars. Spread the spread the knowledge spread the love i'm um, really appreciate it we're trying to get big so help us out absolutely so let's get into it boys uh this past saturday from riyadh in saudi arabia tyson fury defeats uh francis Ngannou via split decision 
Um, but the storyline here is the performance, I'll say, overall of Francis Ngannou. Um, and I will sit here and say I am completely blown away and impressed by Francis Ngannou. Um, and that almost may be an understatement, to be honest. Um, and, John, you know, me and Brandon were all over you last week about this matchup. Um, you weren't necessarily picking Francis, but you thought that he may be competitive in this mm-hmm. fight. Um, and me and Brandon were basically saying, like, absolutely no way. Everybody was. But your crystal ball must have been plugged the in because game. that's yeah yeah the eight ball came through you definitely got lucky on that one um, because it's kind of exactly what happened here mm-hmm. um, and this fight may have uh, been even a little bit more than competitive because some people today feel as though Francis Ngannou may even have won this fight now mm-hmm. most of the boxing analysts and people way smarter than me in the sport of boxing that I've seen or follow um, all think that the decision was correct. Uh, but all unanimously impressed, uh, dare I say, you know, maybe even blown away by mm-hmm. the performance of Francis Ngannou and what he did in this fight. Um, but I think it's only right that John is the guy who got it right or at least thought this was a possibility. Um, what was your thoughts on this fight and performance by Ngannou? Because I think without a doubt, um, this is the best uh, MMA fighter boxing crossover that we've ever seen. Man, uh, and, you know, you could even maybe go to how Anderson looked against uh, Chavez Jr but that was an old champion this is the current greatest heavyweight in the world possibly of the generation Mm. and francis just goes out there and he didn't show he didn't show up just to have a good match he went to win yeah and he was doing it the whole fight um and i'd even told you like i wonder if he was even like sandbagging on some of these pad hitting he was doing for media because like even you had said like man it just does not look good and that's not what we've seen in the ring and that was kind of saturday night well that's kind of what like how a lot of people felt is like the pad work wasn't great and you know a lot again people way smarter than me but man i've even seen like some boxing people now like in the form of um like fighters or even like eddie hearn i saw who think francis and god who won this fight yeah i mean even like i saw they interviewed Usyk last night um which we'll get to him in a minute and how he could factor or how he does factor into this whole storyline and even he was just like i don't know man like yeah. i was a little worried you know because obviously for his thing coming up with fury he didn't want to see him get injured put out whatever right. so it is interesting. I don't really know how to score boxing because, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like in mixed martial arts, it's pretty cut and dry. Like, I feel like in terms of, like, a mixed martial arts setting, I would be 100% okay with saying Francis won that fight. I mean, right. I, I just don't have a – I just don't wouldn't have a problem with it. Now, but again, a lot of the boxing analysts and stuff that I see were all like, yeah, no, Fury won this fight and even referenced a couple fights for MMA fans to go watch and mm-hmm. kind of show why – Tyson Fury won this. Well, fight. there's a there's a weird angle to this too, where they kind of have to say he won because if he loses this fight, it's a huge L for boxing, obviously, because it's always been this whole boxing versus MMA. You guys can't come over here. You can't do this. Um, I you know the one clear thing that comes with boxing is a knockdown is a ten eight. Sure. So with Francis getting that, obviously that helps him. Um, but even in the split decision, one judge only gave it to Fury by one point. Yeah. And then another judge by three points. So it's not even like he ran away with this fight. Um, right, yeah. And, you know, as a boxing fan, I can definitely admit the judging is never consistent. Sure. And there's been a lot of, like, really questionable decisions. And this could definitely be one of them because it was a very, very close fight. Dude, yeah, I don't even know. Like, so I'm not a big boxer, boxing fan, I should say. So, like, like Nate said, like, as far as judging and how that works, I really wouldn't even know what to say. I didn't watch the fight. I saw the highlights, saw the knockdown. So, do you. I don't know. I'm asking here. What do you mm-hmm. think, as far as the performance we saw from Nganu, do you think that that is just something 
like Ngannou is just that guy. He's very special in that way. Or because like when I hear people talk about boxing, it's the simple way to look at it is it's four punches and footwork, mm -hmm. and and that's kind of it. Do you think that Ngannou just kind of figured it out between him and Mike or whoever his coaches were as far as how to translate? Look, this is a boxing match. It's four punches. That's all you need. And Ngannou also we know has tons of power, mm -hmm. and he just was able to figure out how to translate it well and not get sucked into you know doing some crazy stuff like maybe Woodley or Ashburn and these guys. Yeah, I, I think that because it's not only because you do have four punches, but he turned it into eight because he was constantly switching stances and using that power hand up uh -huh. front, going back to orthodox like. He, it wasn't just him spamming a right hand like we even see professional boxers do. This guy was mixing it up. He was going to the body. like He he looked like he'd literally been spending, and this is also recovering from an injury, mm. mind you, from the surgeries after the gone fight. Yeah. So you could tell he's really put in time. And, I mean, you can kind of see it on Mike Tyson's face afterwards. Like He was so proud of yeah. what he was able to do in there. Also, I did. I saw this. I don't know how true this is. Somebody said that Ngannou is going to be ranked in the top 10 after this. Yeah. How is it just the top 10? He damn near took out the number one guy in the world why is it not top five or top three like i don't understand well rankings and boxings kind of also don't mean nearly as oh, much okay. because you know and fury had even said though leading up to this he wished that the ufc or the boxing was more like the ufc where the best always fought mm -hmm. the best because you don't get three and four fighting a lot you don't get you know 10 and 12 it's usually kind of somebody works their way up to two and then they finally get to the do title you think, do you think this kind of exemplifies that a little bit because Ngannou was able to go over there against the best in the world again and just kind of sh show up a little bit yeah, Make I mean, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if you don't have a Wilder and Joshua like chomping it a bit to get a chance at this huge. I mean, because he's a huge draw now. He's a huge guy. We're going to get to all that. Oh, trust okay. me. And the rankings are going to matter as well. We're going to get to that in a minute as well. Um, I honestly think a draw had to feel like a loss here for Fury, though, um, let alone a split decision loss, because that aspect of it, to me, matters a lot. Mm -hmm. Maybe not so much in boxing again, but in terms of like mixed martial arts, you know, that split decision, and it matters to here win. in a crossover fight, like exactly like this. Um, and it matters as well, because there, like we did say, there is a large portion of the fan base who thought he won that fight, meaning Ngannou, um, and that thought was clearly validated by a professional boxing judge who agreed and scored the fight mm -hmm. for Francis. And as you mentioned, one other one only had him losing by one point. Um, so you can't just say, oh, you know, the only ones who think Francis won is just kind of like noisy MMA fans, right? Because that's clearly not the case. Um, and let me say this as well. I can promise you, um, if this fight happened in an MMA cage, under the unified mixed martial arts rules, there's no way Tyson Fury is losing by split decision. And even more so, he'd be lucky to even lose by a decision. Um, because if this was a real fight, right, what happens when Ngannou drops Tyson Fury in the third round, if that's Bombs. MMA? Um, you know, I think there's just no way Francis Ngannou is letting Tyson Fury even no. see the judges' scorecards in a mixed martial arts bout. And to me, that matters. And that's mm -hmm. what makes all of this even more so um, special and important because uh, we have seen mixed martial artists go over to boxing, right? But, and I even sent you guys, like Jake Paul said the whole thing, like, I don't want to hear nothing about MMA fighters can't box or this. And that's like, well, Jake, there's a big difference in the quality of mixed martial artists that you're fighting, right? Guys way past their prime and career. And a guy like Tyson Fury, who just fought the best in the world, potentially. Mm -hmm. um, again, I still put John Jones in that place. But still, like a guy that is very much a world champion quality in mixed martial arts as well. It's like, it's not like Jake Paul is out here boxing, you know, Israel Adesanya or something, right. you know, it's like where that could go a lot differently as well. So, um, I just think that whole, 
the performance in itself just matters, I guess, more. This is an MMA podcast. You're going to hear me reference that a lot. So, Because we have to keep it. We're more on the side of Francis here right. and, and what that means in, in terms of the sport of mixed martial arts because that's what we do here. Um, but I think as mixed martial arts fans, uh, you, again, regardless of how I felt going in, how that fight was going to play out, I was never not rooting for Francis Ngannou right. um, to win this fight or even do well. And I feel like just all of us MMA fans today can kind of rejoice because we definitely feel like we got one. <laughs> yeah. We got one over yeah. the boxing community because if this is a mixed martial arts fight, it, it, I, I just I'm, I'm sorry, man. And you could always say like, okay. Tyson Fury is a world-class athlete as well. Maybe he comes over at the top of his game or a Joshua comes to MMA and they could be competitive and maybe shock some people. I just don't see it. No. Because there's so many facets to mixed martial arts. Francis had three freaking months to prepare for the best heavyweight boxer in the world, right? Yeah. And you can't do that in mixed martial no. arts. You, you, you give Anthony Joshua or Ty, uh, Deontay Wilder, because even if you want to go the storyline of, oh, Tyson Fury's old, okay, fine. Even if you gave it to some young, up-and-coming, hungry, professional boxer, mm -hmm. okay, great striker, obviously, off top, but how's he going to make that boxing work in mixed martial arts? And three months just is not enough time no. to do that at the highest level of the sport. Dude, Francis ate an elbow to the forehead. Literally, yeah. And I don't, honestly, I don't know exactly what punch Tyson Fury was even trying to throw there or if, because I mean, he does have some history of doing some kind of like dirty boxing type of things, but like he took that directly to the forehead and just, and he even took some big punches. Like, you know, one of the things I said was yeah. he does have a great chin that showed in MMA sure. and he took some big punches from Tyson Fury and was never even really wobbled. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, you're good, okay. You're uh, but needless to say, I mean, Francis's stock is going way up after this fight, um, even in a loss. Uh, and if you're the PFL, you have to feel good right oh, now, right? Yeah. Because you now have the biggest star in mixed martial arts. And I don't care how the UFC tries to spin cycle this and make it sound like that's, they don't. The biggest star in this sport is not under their umbrella, no. um, which is crazy to think about. Imagine if Patrick Mahomes played in the CFL <laughs> right. in Canada, right? Like, it just we we wouldn't be able to fathom it you know mm -hmm. we like how how do you not have the best guy in the world um and not even necessarily the best guy right i don't want to go that far francis Ngannou is the biggest star in mixed mm -hmm. martial arts He's the face right now. now absolutely um and this performance now means uh you know francis's next mixed martial arts bout is probably going to be a massive event um so i guess the irony in all this and my question to you guys is in the end, did the UFC fumble the bag on Francis Ngannou? Uh, because let me say this. Imagine if the UFC came to an agreement with Francis Ngannou and they let him do this boxing match. How big is John Jones versus Francis Ngannou now? Safe I mean, to say it would be the biggest mixed martial arts pay-per-view of all time. It'd be probably I, the biggest fight There's no ever. doubt. It, it'd, be, it'd be so massive. It, to do it, like, imagine if you kicked off next year doing it or, like, next March, like, whenever. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, it's just, like, but I just think that was the storyline when Francis bet on himself and walked away from the biggest mixed martial arts promotion in the world um, to follow his dream. Yet I feel like sitting here one day removed from this fight in the end, it was the UFC that fumbled the bag because there is a lot of money mm -hmm. to be made if you are in the Francis Ngannou business today. The only thing I would ask is going back to before this ever really came to fruition, do you guys think it made sense at the time to see Ngannou go fight Tyson Fury? Back then? Yeah, back when the, the back when he walked away from UFC. Would you have sat there that day and said, you know what, I think it makes a ton of sense for Ngannou to go box Tyson Fury right now? 
Man, that's tough. You know, I, I'd have to go back to that time because I feel like the John Jones fight was on the table at that time, which would have loved to have obviously seen him do that. And maybe that's the thing. You know, that's how the UFC could spin it is. Well, even if we did agree to the boxing thing, he would have done the Jones fight first anyways. And maybe they would have made him fight John Jones before, which would have taken a little, you know, mm-hmm. if, especially if he goes and loses to John Jones right now. He could have beat John Jones, which then would have made the Tyson Fury fight <laughs> even bigger. But I still think either way, Maybe you're, yes, maybe. So the answer is maybe it didn't make sense. But at the end of the day, to sit here today, it's like no matter what the outcome of that would have been, there is so much money now to be made with whoever is in business with Francis Ngannou, sure. whether it's in boxing or mm-hmm. mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. Well, and, the, you know, there's a couple points to this. First of all, PFL at this point might have got him for a discount because yeah, now this guy is that's a good huge. Point. That's like, a very good point. No matter what he's making every MMA fight, it's not going to equal, first of all, what he got for Fury and what he might get for other fights yeah. as people come forward. But on the other side for the UFC thing is there might have been a point to where it didn't make nearly as much sense per se, but Dana White has always wanted to be in boxing. Mm-hmm. At one point, he, had, he was trying to sign Anthony Joshua to a yeah. five-year, $500 million deal. Well, because just like, real quick, just like with Conor McGregor, if they would have allowed him to do this fight, they would have gotten paid off. Like, the right. UFC would have made money off of this fight as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, you know, you know, we talked about last week, Showtime and, H- <clears throat> Showtime and HBO are out. Right. So this would have been the window for Dana to say, UFC boxing. Here's Zufa boxing. Yeah. And I have my guy who just you know went toe-to-toe with the best in the world and now he kind of i mean he's probably gonna have like some nightmares he's gonna wake up sweating a little bit of because he is so in love with boxing he's i mean he's admitted so so i think that this is a a little bit of a you know because and here's the other thing too so you let francis go this all happens you do keep john jones but you know you know as we'll talk about in the news and stuff you don't know how long you're getting him so you maybe you back the wrong horse in as far as like yeah. who you're going to put all your your kind of cards into yeah i told you guys last night i would just love to know Dana White's genuine thoughts after that fight last night. Like, not what he's telling everybody, just what he's what thinking. What he's telling his back room. Yeah, yeah. When, when he's in, when he's sitting there watching, you know, on his phone, scrolling, whatever. Like, what's going through his mind? Um, but it is going to be very interesting to see what the PFL will do with Nganu now. You know, we've talked about it, and there just isn't many big names out there in free agency, right? You remember Derek Lewis, you know, with his contract being up, that was the one where it's like, you got to go get Derek mm-hmm. Lewis. He resigns with the UFC. Not an option anymore. Um, but they have to finding Ganu a big name and like even like a Fabrizio Verdum I just don't know if that's it coming off this fight right mm-hmm. um, especially now with the money he's going to attract to box again. You know, we kind of started to touch on it there for a minute. Um, the question will be who though, you know, the Saudis, you know, backing, we now see <laughs> what they can make an event, right? A big event. Did the fire um, fest, dude. It, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they did the, they actually pulled off the fire fest. Yeah. And I think regardless in terms of the boxing for Francis, you know, we will see him do this again, either, you know, if, whether it's next or not. And I believe under any other circumstances though, uh, you would do an immediate rematch mm-hmm. uh, with Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou, and that rematch would be massive. But Tyson Fury's already signed to face Alexander Usyk in December. It's Alexander, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he's booked. Yeah. Tyson Fury is booked, man. Um, and boy, I just I can't help but wonder, you know, if you're Tyson Fury and the powers that be, maybe you regret a little bit that you booked this fight because I believe right now Francis is the bigger fight for, I don't even for know Tyson if that happens. Fury. Yeah, and if Usyk beats Fury, the rematch isn't necessarily dead, but it definitely removes that steam a little bit as mm-hmm. well. And I think we just saw here with how successful Francis Ngannou was, 
a professional boxer season again, and Usyk has a really good chance now. I mean, yeah. you can't completely count him out in that fight. And so it's like, man, if you're the guys that, because I think it is the Saudis that are doing that again, the Usyk mm-hmm. Fury, right? So it's like, man, I don't know which. I mean, we'll get to in a minute, but the Saudis can pretty much pay and do whatever they want. Um, check, baby. Maybe you just pay Usyk off, like, hey, man, wait until like next year because mm-hmm. we gotta do this again i mean i don't i don't know yeah don't well know. and it's interesting because fury does this whole i'm done and then like more recently he said he wants to do 10 more fights and like he kind of bounces in between retiring and, and doing all these things right um so that's that's un you know you don't know about that but also there's a little bit of a maybe a medical side of like maybe fury you know you look at how you just did against a guy's first boxing match and maybe you say hey maybe i need to train a little bit more maybe i need to you know kind of resharpen this tool because i mean he got by with one and, and you know and you'd like to say that maybe that doesn't work against other guys or maybe francis really is as good as the top 10 guys and he has to realize that you know these young guys are coming up for me do you guys see any world where francis makes more of a movie just to boxing and spends less time in mma oh, because I, there's not as many names in where he's I at mean, and i mean dude if if i'm francis Ngannou, again going back to even the dana white it's kind of that same thing i'd love to know where his head is right now um because you have to wonder just doing that it does it's not going to get much worse than tyson fury right? right i mean just even physically not even in terms of skill just he's a massive dude mm-hmm. and we saw francis stacked up pretty well against him um you gotta wonder like is he considering in the back of his head like man maybe i just kind of walk away retire from him in mma and just do this even if he only does two or three more fights yeah, and mm-hmm. i and i don't know like i said i'm not a big boxing guy but to me i would think like the the preparation for a boxing match, three months, I, it has to be not as bad, I would think, as an sure. MMA camp for right. a fight, like in that right. sense. But I don't know, maybe not. Well, it, it's it's it was probably tougher just in the sense of he's never boxed, so he had to change his his approach to his striking. Right, but he doesn't you know, have to wrestle. He doesn't. No, have to right, shoot, right. So he have to, but he's also trying to do this against the probably the generational best heavyweight ever. So there is a little bit of that. But I do think that you know for him. Um, there's a lot of opportunity out there, and I think if if you know if he gets a good enough offer, and he has so much confidence right now, I mean he obviously he probably feels like he won. A lot of people around him are going to feel that way, and even people who were you know doubting him hard or against him, there's people who are Fury fans that I've seen were saying out like, hey, he lost that, yeah. you know, you shouldn't have got that. So he probably is in a weird spot of you know. You know, he just still wants to do, and, and well, with boxing too, is you don't have a set promotion. People kind of bid for the chance to fight, especially when belts are um, around. But like Floyd, he kind of did his own thing. So maybe PFL says, "Hey, man, uh, don't leave us. We'll do a boxing match. We'll do a pay per view. You know, you can box somebody on us." Well, and that's what I think it comes down to. Like, let's put the prediction. Like, let's get to some predictions here. You know, because I don't know contractually if or when Francis has to fight for PFL. That part matters. He did sign a contract with mm-hmm. PFL. We know that. Um, you know, I know there was the whole, like, you know, first it just maybe it seemed like I was trying to remember yesterday that it had to be first quarter next year. Or maybe that's just when Francis said he would fight MMA or for PFL. Um, but we know the PFL spent a lot of money and resources on Francis and Ganu. Um, but do you think if you had to predict sitting here today that we see Francis in MMA or boxing next, or, you know, will it just depend on who PFL can find if anybody for him to make it a big enough fight to make it worth it for them? Um, because I think now, even if, not with Fury, uh, Francis does have a chance, kind of as John was hinting at, to still land some big paydays in boxing now with mm-hmm. like other guys. Um, 
And then even as Brandon mentioned, you know, especially with the reports that, you know, Francis's coach, Dewey Cooper, said uh, the WBC president told him in the ring right after the fight that Francis will be ranked in their top 10. But what that means and why I said that means something is because if Fury and Francis rematch, Fury's title would be and could be on the line because... Francis being ranked inside the the top 10 and man what a story that would be I mean because first off I mean just the build-up but dude imagine if this guy right from Cameroon comes in everything he's already been through right just to become a UFC champion um and then to come over and if he found a way to become a WBC box I mean you're, you're talking the like movie, dude. I mean well for yeah the movie but then at that point you're talking potentially one of the greatest combat sports athletes of all freaking time I mean and it would be really tough to you know even find somebody to stack up against that so but yeah what do you guys think if you had to make a prediction um, because money talks and everything but you have to remember there is a PFL contract that he did sign so quick question so PFL did they get some sort of cut from this fight like did they get anything from this I, I thought know. it was separate I, I don't yeah I, I think John's right about that I, I wish I should have looked it up again you guys have to understand listening to this i did not expect this to be like sitting here i, th- I figured we'd mention it maybe speak about it because i genuinely thought it was going to be like yeah john we told you so <laughs> so in the news hurry up get to but, the next thing you know, well it's like and not only am i okay with admitting i was completely wrong along like john said a lot of people were but i'm just sitting here blown away and like man this just sent a shock to the system and not even just in mixed martial arts but in boxing it affects two sports yeah. now effectively and affects a, a fight in a sport that francis isn't even in because of his performance that was it's people been looking forward to you sick fury for so long in boxing mm-hmm. so i don't know I, I feel like john was right though i think there was an aspect of this that there it was going to be separate but i don't know i would say okay i, I think bec- if he's got the contract and somewhere in the contract it says he has some, to fight three mma fights or whatever for pfl i think francis is a genuine enough human being i think he would just do that i don't think he would try to weasel his yeah, way out of it sure but i do believe that with the success he had i would have to imagine he's thinking about trying to make a transition to boxing just because mm. it just seems to me like that the money's there his his ability is there and i would just think that in the years of mma he's he's done that it just seems like it would be such a, a an easier transition right. and when i say easier i just mean less taxing on the body the money's there and yeah. he's, he can kind of promote himself a little bit more than what he could when he was yeah. fighting for mma or ufc specifically so that's that's what i would say well and important to remember too real quick with the contract is um this was put on in Saudi Arabia, and they they do have a uh, they did purchase an ownership stake in the PFL. Mm-hmm. So effectively, I guess if you are the Saudis, you could kind of do what you wanted. I, I don't really know how that would work, yeah. but um, that is an interesting aspect of it as well. So, That's kind of where I was going to go. Is that if if the person who put on this event or the the group that put on this event and that are basically financing the PFL are the same, they kind of get to call like, hey. Um, Now, as far as like potential MMA, I know Ryan Bader kind of threw his name in. He's probably the biggest name. No, I'm saying he's the biggest available. And I think that's the issue that if you're the PFL right now, Again, I don't know. We don't know much about UFC guys' contracts, so I don't right. know if between now and next April, if somebody big enough in the UFC is going to become available, you know, for the PFL to say we have to get them. But it's got to. I mean, you know, Ryan Bader or Fabrizio Verdum, like, okay. I mean, any other time, okay, good fight. But I mean, right, right now, it just that's just you're not even in the same stratosphere as a rematch with Tyson Fury. Here, here's a question. This just kind of came to my mind. What what if down the like what if they just kind of withhold his MMA stuff for a little bit? Let's say Jones fights Stipe mm-hmm. next year and let's say Jones wins and then what about down the road doing like a Jones and Gone boxing match? You feel like that's anything? 
Well, that and, would be the only way it could happen because I believe John signed a new contract. So if he doesn't, in you know, fight out his contract and he retires after that fight, say he has like four fights still left after he retires, if he came back to the MMA, um, even if he retired from the UFC or whatever, they would still hold his rights. So mm-hmm. he couldn't go box for like or do MMA, you know. So if it happened, it would have to be for PFL, but. That's a tough one, man, because, again, I mean, imagine a world where Francis is WBC boxing champion. No, it makes no sense to put John Jones in there <laughs> against him, right? Or, but even just seeing how competitive, I think Francis, if he's going to box, it needs to be against boxers. Yeah. You know? Well, and, you know, you know, two things about it. One, uh, Francis did mention that, you know, the PFL would be more than open to doing a cross promotion to fight sure. against the UFC champion. Obviously, we know Dana White isn't yeah. into that, but I think that's what they have to try to find a way to that do. that builds up, dude. And if the UFC's building a, in a relationship with Saudi, like, you know, right. we, we were, you know, we, you had in your news last week that they are going to do an event there. Maybe Saudi can kind of middleman that and find a way to make, but that's the only, like, in terms of like, if you're the PFL, because again, like they need to make money too. And it's like, I just don't even know how you like, is it even worth it if you're the PFL to throw him out there against Ryan Bader? Right. Or something? Like, it, I, I because don't, what if he loses? Yeah. yeah. Or, well, yeah, well, not yeah. only that. This, you know, this is kind of similar to when the Conor Floyd thing happened, where it's like, how do I excite this guy? Yeah. After he just fought one of the greatest boxers ever, made all this money. Yeah. And this might happen. The PFL might be, you know, they might not be big enough to handle Francis anymore at mm. this point. I think they can make. I again, I think money can make anything. I yeah, mean, but I'm just saying, like, how do you how do you entice him to not fight Wilder yeah. if it's offered? When you're throwing up, I mean, nobody on their roster. You have to yeah. go out and get somebody else because, sure. in respect to the fighters on there, but I'm talking about a name. Yeah, there's just nobody there, and I mean, would you bring Fedor out of retirement or something? Like, what do you no. do? Like, there's there's literally outside of the UFC, you know, like maybe Pavlovich if he builds himself up in the next year or two, maybe you can do a pro- cross promotion fight there if John Jones isn't fighting anymore. But I just don't know what you do. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be very interesting. Um. But again, and getting back to something different is this is an MMA podcast, as I mentioned. So I think it is important. One thing that I'm thinking, because I, you know, last night in processing all this, I had this thought is, you know, how even more impressed I am um, that guys like Alex Pereira and Henry Cejudo um, have been able to do what they've done within combat sports. You know, talking about Francis potentially, you know, if he were to become WBC, you know champ how you know that could make him the greatest ever um because to be the best in a sport um and then come over to another sport you know and not just be the best in the world in another sport that wasn't your first love or your first you know Mm -hmm. that you were good at and then to become champion like those two have i mean that's just crazy man to see because we just saw you know this side of it and it still wasn't quite enough for francis right yeah um but, you know, again, Henry Cejudo to win an Olympic gold medal and then become a UFC champion, you know, and then in two weight classes, no right. less. Um, and then Alex Pedeta, you know, as I understand it, again, not the biggest kickboxing fan either, but um, was regarded as one of the best kickboxers, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and we've seen other kickboxers, like going back to um, – uh, uh, Tyrone Spong, like, or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who was like a big, you know, name in kickboxing didn't really work out for him in MMA, you know? Yeah. So to see guys, you know, that have come over because what I don't think we're going to see ever, <laughs> ever possibly is an Anthony Joshua coming to do an MMA fight. And, and that's another thing that irritates me is like, you know, again, you know, the whole boxing versus MMA thing thing is, is like, 
if if boxing was so much better and was the real sport and the real elite thing, you know, then why does nobody come and do MMA? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, I just think that's just what kind of like always to me, I'll always default on is like the only one like big name in boxing we, that I can recall seeing come over was James Tony, <laughs> and we see how that works. I just out. get ankle pain. Yeah, like, Ray Mercer. Say, Ray Mercer. He okay, knocked out Tim enough. Sylvia. That's the only one they got. <laughs> fair, fair but again, you know, these are guys well past their oh, yeah. prime. Like, I don't think we'll ever see a prime boxing world champion come over and do MMA. I no, and that's the, the, the biggest takeaway for me of this is that we've seen Francis almost beat Tyson Fury at where he's best. Sure. And there's no way Tyson Fury would have lasted two rounds with Frank. Like that knockdown would have ended up being ground and pounding. That's it. Yeah, it's over in MMA. And also four ounce gloves. He might not even have been awake. Yeah. Like we've seen Francis put people out with like punches softer. Yeah, it didn't didn't even even look look like the biggest shot either that he landed on Fury. I mean, left hook, right? Yeah, yeah. Dude, those arms probably just weigh a thousand pounds when they hit you too. And I am interested to see if this does have some sort of ripple effect in mixed martial arts. You know, I mean, how could you be a champion right now in the UFC? watch that last night and not be inspired to do what Francis just did, right? You know, to go, oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, but even before that, like, you look at Woodley, Askren, like, all these guys who have boxed, yeah. how much money have they made just boxing Jake Paul, let alone a Tyson Fury, like you're saying. Right. Like, so. Well, and then not even just the money aspect of it, but to see a guy like Francis go toe-to-toe with a heavyweight boxing champion, um, the best in the world, and then pull it off in just, like I said, an inspiring performance, really, to the point that many even think he won, as we mentioned, um, plus obviously the money but you know if you're if you're like you know i know sean o'malley kind of teased about mm-hmm. it a little bit with was it haney thought, or was or, it haney or tank i can't remember but i think it was devin haney uh but anyways but yeah like how could you not be like shoot i'll bet on my i want to do that you know well, what I mean? now it's now it's not just like a oh well i mean you know what's going to happen like yeah. it, now it's a viable option um and not to say that anybody else will ever be able to replicate sure. what francis just did but now you have to say well there was francis right and well, this dude started training at 25. Like, it's not even like he's a lifelong. Like, the, the things that he's done in this short amount of time are just ridiculous. Well, and even just to see Nganu gamble on himself and succeed, right? You know, that that might put some pressure on the UFC to start allowing their fighters to do these types of crossover mm-hmm. fights. I mean, because you don't want this to play out again. Right. Because people now can see it as a plausible, realistic option if you are a big name. And that's almost scarier for if you're the UFC because your biggest star, Sean O'Malley, could say, like, Wait, $25 million to go box Haney, you know, in the Middle East? Plus, I can sign a couple million to go to P. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, Because, you know, again, if it, I don't know. If they start seeing this as... I don't know, man. I Maybe that's a little bit too much. Everything just got flipped, man. But, but again, it goes back to, you know, we, you know, you can sit and talk about, like, oh, unions and this and stuff for fighters. But it's like, Francis might have just found the meta. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you don't really need... You know, just take, take ownership over your own you know, situation. I think the only problem with that is how many big name boxers can you give me outside of Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? Well, I think it's easier when you get down into the lower weight mm-hmm. classes really? outside of heavyweight. Oh, absolutely. I would say right now, um, you know, I, I, I kind of subscribe to the idea that boxing is always at its best when they're the heavyweights are, are succeeding. Mm-hmm. And I agree, but man, right now, and John, I think would attest to this even is the lighter guys are killing it right now. And that's really who people want to see. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Spence Crawford. I mean, that was just such a massive yeah, fight. Bud Crawford is huge. Um, yeah. Haney, Haney, Tank Davis, Secure Stevenson. Ryan Garcia. I mean, you still even have Canelo. Yeah. Like, there's still some big, the, um, there's still some big names there. Um, and I mean, obviously we had Kamaru saying that he wanted to box Canelo at one point. And, yeah. 
Um, obviously, now we're seeing Sean O'Malley wanting to put his name in the ring, but it does get you know a little crazy and kind of a, a another thing I didn't even really think about until you brought it up. Like, think about what Francis. First of all, not only did he leave the UFC, but he left the belt. Yeah, that's the that's another part I think that yeah. definitely puts pressure. But what like thinking about why he left, what he wanted, as far as helping other fighters and doing things, and to put the stamp on it with a performance yeah. like this is just the ultimate. You know betting yeah. on yourself and it paying off well, I, I sent you guys that quote that somebody put out and they're like imagine if francis just fought in a ufc tonight fight tonight maybe he would have got the fifty thousand dollar fight <laughs> bonus you right. know like and that puts it into perspective man that really really does and and like i said if you're if if you're the ufc you gotta let you gotta you don't get caught up man because mm-hmm. as soon as these guys start seeing this you know haney responded to sean o'malley and yeah. dude, don't think that guy's not motivated by money like a lot of them are. I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, you're in this for a short time. Not and boxers only, you know. aren't, you know, held, I mean, they, they work for like a management team, yeah. but they're not held to sure. because there is so many belts and different promotions. Yeah. Like there's a lot of opportunities. And sure. I bet you the Saudi investment company probably seen that tweet and was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> we might have another one, fellas. And then as far, we'll kind of wrap it up. As far as the event itself, you know, they definitely, like John said, the, they opened the checkbook. <laughs> this was that budget where there ain't no budget. That's what this was uh the production was off the charts you know the biggest names in sports and entertainment world were at this event you know can you imagine um, those planes like oh. there probably wasn't like it was all first class like everybody yeah. who's everybody was, Who there. was it? like kanye west eminem cristiano ronaldo i mean every fighter that's ever every fought. former boxer every yeah. former uh, ufc Tons champion ufc yeah chuck liddell mike tyson obviously. i mean just the biggest names in sports and entertainment um and I did as well. You mentioned Kamara Usman. I told you guys, literally got goosebumps when Izzy and Usman joined Francis mm-hmm. halfway out, you know, walking to the to the ring. You know, those three have such a great storyline. Um, so I thought uh, Francis incorporating them into this moment mm-hmm. was just fantastic, man. And just speaks again to Francis of like, you know, this guy doesn't forget where he comes from yeah. and, and, and he's a loyal guy. You can really tell that. Uh, the But even back to the event, the freaking ring came up from under the floor. They, Concert ends and then just... They built a whole separate arena just for the undercard. So the, the uh, main event was the only fight that happened in that venue. They built a whole other venue where all the undercard fights happen. Um, they built custom locker rooms for Francis and Fury. Um which the commentator said looked more like a uh, penthouse suite than a locker room. I mean, just like, dude, no expense. They play you Sims know. over there is all I'm saying. <laughs> dude, <laughs> that's what I told you guys. I was like, this is like, you know, like when they always say like, you, what do you buy somebody that like has everything? Oh, it's yeah. like the Saudis just bought people. That's yeah. what they just bought. It's like literally had a collection, like the photo of all the fighters. It was like, we're just going to line up everybody that we can. <laughs> that's a big name. Oh, dude. And it's crazy too, because throwing you know, cash boy, we've talked about how it's happening in other sports, but like I, I've even seen somebody recently cause James Harden's having some issues in the NBA with yeah. his team. It's like, he's about to be playing over in Saudi for yeah. 600 million a year dude, because that's just what they can you do wait. now. Dude, I'm telling you, you freaking wait. You, we, we can joke about this now, but you oh, wait. It's not a joke. I mean, you from what you've seen years. last night, like even just their walkouts. Yeah. Well, it's already happening. And like, again, I'm a big soccer fan. It's already happening in the soccer world. Right. Um, you know, they're just starting the soccer league and they're just Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, the biggest names are starting to, you know, they're attracting not all of them. You know, it's still a slow burn or whatever. But yeah, in the whole like buying people thing, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I understand right. like these athletes and celebrities, like some of these legends in boxing, like imagine how much money. I mean, I 
I would assume, like Junior Dos Santos and Chuck Liddell, they were probably paid to be there. Yeah, they right? just cover your ticket. Come over yeah. here, you know, we'll cover your room. And when's the last time? And then treated these guys like heroes. I mean, like I told you, like a guy like Dos Santos was mentioned on the broadcast several times. He was in pre-fight packages, you know, talking mm-hmm. about, you know, Ngannou and stuff. And it's like, for those guys, that probably felt great. You know, like yeah. even some of those former boxers, like, you know, how long has it been since somebody really gave a damn so to speak about them and so to be put on a stage like that and be mm-hmm. a part of that i'm sure it felt amazing for them to to be there and stuff so yeah just to see the the walkouts have francis on the throne and you have yeah. fury circling around that um going around that circle yeah. and stepping off like it was just uh, obviously there's there's something to be said about the pacing of boxing events oh, dude it is i mean it's it's <laughs> nauseating so yeah. i i had to go back and rewatch the fight because i literally made my saturday plans around this fight they were supposed to actually start walking at 6 I don't think they started walking until 630 mm-hmm. and then we were at where we were going. So I couldn't get like cell phone reset. I was like so mad, man, but it's just oh, boxing. I think it was like an hour and a half intermission mm-hmm. from the co-main event or whatever they call it in boxing to that main event. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Unreal. Uh, I think the one thing we do get to look forward to for any of these future Saudi things is early start times, baby. I'll take that. But geez, <laughs> can we at least just get a little bit more punctual on, this, right. on what everybody's there to see? Um, so that's it. Like I said, did not plan to go 40 minutes on Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury today, but <laughs> last shout out, things happen. Eric, coach Eric, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's sees so much. Yeah. Eric Nixick. Uh, that's what we were. I mean, it's pretty much being echoed all over, you know, MMA, Twitter, or social media, but yeah, coach of the year locked up. I mean, I think we can for our year in uh ceremony or awards i think we can confirm yeah. that eric nixick you know sean strickland and now this with francis Ngannou, and really he was dead in the corner it wasn't like he was just sitting off to the side yeah. tyson was the one who was in a suit off to the side sure. and he was maybe like you know yelling some stuff up but it was eric in there it was really and guiding Dewey cooper i think yeah, you Dewey know cooper, his sure. coach had more to do with this camp but uh Man, what Eric Nixick is doing there at Extreme Couture is—I mean, it's—it just even in MMA, can't yeah, the say energy enough. there has to be crazy. Yeah, and I mean, even that, like, we could go on about Nixick. I mean, that—it's just there's so much I didn't expect it to be. But we got to get to our picks. We've got our top five most well-rounded list coming up. So let us first, though, start out with this Saturday, boys, UFC Fight Night, uh, November fourth from Sao Paulo, Brazil. With a main event start time of 9 p.m. Eastern Standard. And in our main event and in the heavyweight division, number nine, Jelaton Almeida versus number 10, Derek Lewis. Um, and as we discussed last week, this matchup was originally slated to be Almeida versus uh, Curtis Blades. However, about two weeks ago, Blades announced that he was pulling out of the fight due to injury. Um, and answering the call on late notice was the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Um, and what I love about Lewis is just when everyone was ready to write him off, right, in that last fight, he shows up big um, and earns a first-round finish over Hajirio de Lima back in July. Before that win, though, he was on a three-fight losing streak for the first time in his career. All three of them were finishes, um, but it doesn't get any easier for Lewis in this one. That is for sure, because he is taking on the surging Brazilian cont- contender, Jailiton Almeida. Um, Almeida comes in on a 14-fight win streak with 14 finishes in his career, um, with his last five all coming inside of the UFC. And of those 14 wins uh, and finishes, just three of them came outside of the first round, and all three uh, were ended in round two. Uh, so this guy finishes, man. Um, mm-hmm. 
And it's almost a perfect split of TKO and submission finishes as well, for the record. Um, that's a little good uh, foreshadowing for our most well-rounded. <laughs> Interested to see if he made anybody's list. Um, but that speaks to, again, his game and how well-rounded that is. Um, but he is going up against a guy in Lewis who holds an X-factor with the power. Um <laughs> And so much so as well that he does hold the knockout record in the UFC with 14. So the question is, you know, how much of a chance are you giving him here to land that big knockout shot? Um, And we will start with John. Who are you taking? And this is great for John because John's got... For for once, John can't pick with his heart because both yeah. of these guys are in his lonely heart boy club. Um, so this will be interesting. This will be probably an actual like thought. Yeah, out yeah. Pick John actually had to think. <laughs> yeah, John actually had to think about this. I mean, one. this is so rough because there's two der- there's two versions of Derek Lewis that can show up. It can be the one that got submitted by Spivak, or it can be the one who lands a flying knee or a big shot like a Curtis, like he did against Curtis Blades. And you just don't know how it's going to go. Um, for Jelton, if you look at um, the Shamil fight, he ate a big shot early in that though, that kind of made him have to like get to the takedown a lot quicker. Um, even Rosenstrike had some uh, opening really early in the first um, start of the fight. But I think if Jelton can get to your legs, it doesn't matter how big you are, how good you, can, you think you can sprawl, he's going to get you down. The problem also, though, is, you know, although he was submitted in that fight against Spivak, you know, Lewis has a lot of anti-jujitsu where he just stands up, he just gets up, he powers out. Um, but I just don't know if he's going to be able to do it against Jelton, especially in Brazil. You know, that's just a different type of energy. And that Shamil fight was in Brazil for him. And he, you could just, I mean, that was one of his best performance, his ability to stay on top and just punish you and constantly land punches until you open up a neck or you just get TKO'd um, is something that's really hard to deal with. So I'm going to take Jelton Almeida here. I'm going to take the young guy in his home country. I will say second round sub. Go ahead. Do you have something to say? No, it's your pick. Okay. Yeah, yeah um, so I'm taking Jelton here as well. I think Lewis obviously has the ability to knock anybody that's in front of him mm-hmm. out. Um, that's still a possibility here. I, th- I think it could happen. Sure. But I think Jelton is just a better mixed martial artist overall. Um, he's going to use that front kick probably quite a bit. I, I don't want to see him shooting out in the middle of the octagon mm-hmm. like with space. I think that's a recipe for disaster against Lewis, especially Lewis who's willing to just jump flying knees and tornado <laughs> kicks and all that man. stuff. Um, so I, I think he's got to push him up against the fence, use a lot of clinch work, and then get him to the ground from there. But I think once he gets him on the ground, he'll probably feel pretty comfortable. So I'm going to take Jilton as well. I'll say I like the sub pick. I'll take first-round submission for Jilton. All right. Yeah, you know, one thing kind of, I guess, outside of just the puncher's chance that everybody knows that Derek Lewis kind of has in here is the five-round aspect of this fight as well. Mm-hmm. You know, as I mentioned there, Almeida has only been outside of the second round in his career once, and it was actually in his last fight, which was a three-round decision loss. Um, so, you know, that's the only – and so with that being said, you know, doesn't have a – I guess, I mean, it's only one, right? <laughs> but still, going outside of the, that, that second round – I didn't watch the fight, but he right. did lose it. Um, and Lewis has shown great durability over the course of his career with several late-round Hail Mary finishes. Um, however, I do think that we're just seeing you know, a, a far removed from that at this point, right, mm-hmm. version of the Black Beast. If you look at his last couple of losses, he's getting finished early and often, which is exactly what Jelton Almeida is good at doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see it for him outside of, you know, 
maybe mounting some sort of vintage performance or pulling off a moment of brilliance like he did in his last fight. Right. So, you know, Lewis is capable of that, at least if nothing else. And I don't think anybody would argue with that. Um, but And that's what makes it as well a risky fight for Almeida. However, no one would also argue that Gelatin Almeida is levels above Hygerio de Lima. You know, I think one thing I'd like to see from Almeida, as Brandon kind of mentioned there in this fight, is set up those takedowns. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so good and athletic that I think he tends to get away with just shooting naked a lot. Um, and he's um, been caught for it as well, as John mentioned. I think it was in the, was it the Shamil fight mm-hmm. that he got caught really big for doing it? Yeah. yeah, he caught a big right. And then even Rosenstrike was able to kind of put him at bay and he yeah. kind of had to cover it with the right hand instead of just doing front kick dive at the ankle. Yeah, and Lewis isn't the guy you want to go <sighs> full nude on. You no. know, he showed, <laughs> he showed that in the Curtis Blades fight. Uh, but Almeida has gotten everyone down. He's fought, and I do believe uh, he will do it again here. <sighs> do I think I don't I don't think it'll be in round one um you know what'd you say I said round two sub Brandon you said round one you know what I'm gonna I'll say round two I'm gonna go different than sub I'm gonna say TKO I think yeah. he gets him down and punches him out if he gets um, him tired it's definitely a possibility I, I think his submission is probably still the safest bet but I'll say you know I'll say TKO um and I'm saying <laughs> I don't know, though, because given the short-notice nature of the fight, I do think Lewis is going to come out and open up early. Um, so maybe round one is the safer pick. Uh, I'll be interested to see how he looks, too, just being in Brazil, seeing if he can get in you know, it because of that Brazil crowd. I mean, yeah. We've seen him in big moments kind of struggle. This will be the first uh, Lonely Hearts fight where I won't necessarily be super sad, <laughs> win or lose. I'll just be, like, crying out of one eye instead of yeah. two. So <laughs> it works out. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with second round TKO for Jailton Almeida. Uh, moving into our co-main event, boys, and in the welterweight div, uh, division, Gabrielle Bonfim versus Nick Dalby. Um, and one thing I love about this card is that it's going to really showcase some of the best young talent Brazil has to offer right now. And none better or more impressive than Gabrielle Bonfim, who will be entering into his third UFC fight this Saturday. Um, he is a perfect 15-0 in his MMA career, with his last two being in the UFC, one on, uh, and then one fight in Dana White's Contender Series as well, for what it's worth. Um, his last win was a first-round guillotine over Trevin Giles back in July. His opponent, Nick Dalby, is in his second UFC stint is, and is in fight and form as well. He is 5-1 and one in the promotion since his return, and he's currently on a three-fight win streak. Um, and to me, here's the storyline to kind of watch in this fight. And what I find most fascinating is Nick Dalby has never been finished in his mixed martial arts career. All four of his losses have come by decision. And Gabriel Bonfim has finished all 15 <laughs> of his professional wins, 12 by submission, 3 by KO or TKO. Um, so I just think that's a very interesting aspect of this fight. Um, so how will this fight play out for you, John, this Saturday? This one's interesting, too, and it's kind of like the main event where it's like, I do think that if Bonfim can get to the ground, I don't think it's very much of a contest, but Dalby is so durable, mm-hmm. and this guy throws power. Um, I mean, if you look at the Tim Means loss, there was some grappling exchange, some takedowns that Means was able to get, and I think that's what Bonefim's going to have to lean on, but for me, the problem with is Bonefim is not a natural striker. He does strike, but he's a ground guy, but I've seen in his, you know, if you look at his last fight, he keeps his chin open a lot while he throws these, you know, big combos to get to where he can get to that super good guillotine that he has. Mm-hmm. Um 
but I but when you do once again, I'm I'm riding the Brazil card here because I when you seen how his performance was, how the crowd just was just so electric and kind of built him up. I think that one kind of like Almeida, he's just kind of built for this situation. Um, and Dalby, like I said, is very very tough, but I don't think he's fought somebody who maybe has the the ceiling that Bonefim has and the the ability on the ground with those chokes. So I'm gonna take. Gabriel Bonfim here. I will say I'm gonna think it's five first round subs in a row. I'm gonna take first round sub. Okay, yeah, I, I like Bonfim as well. Um, he's I think the age gap was something big here too. He's 26. Yeah, and he's like 38 yeah. or something mm-hmm. close to that. So um, I I think yeah, he, he's a ground guy, but at the same time, I actually like Bonfim's boxing. I think he's got pretty mm-hmm. good boxing. He does tend to leave his chin out a little bit, but yeah. he's he's got really good hands as well. He tends to move his head. Um, when he well, I'd say 50 50 if he gets his head off the center line, but he can do it quite well. I still like Bonfim by submission. I like the first round sub too, and I like the guillotine. I feel like he's just mm-hmm. got a nasty guillotine. I think he's mm-hmm. got at least two of those in the he's got, last. He's got a good Darce too. Yeah, so I'm gonna take Bonfim here. I'll go with uh, you said first round. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing does it make sense for me to go first round TKO just to try to get two? Or I can still do the same thing and say submission. I could get to that way. I'll say both team. I'll say second round submission. Yeah, you know, what gives me a little pause to be so quick to pick Bonfim here is exactly what John said, and that's just how tough Dalby is. I mean, and and just the fact that he has never been finished, and then on top of that, he is a big physical middleweight as well, Um, and he has the ability to change the fight with one shot. Um, He's no slouch in the grappling either. Um, He's not just going to roll over for Gabriel Bonfim because of the hype here and because he's in Brazil. You know, know, I genuinely, genuinely believe that this is a tough test for Bonfim and just his third mixed martial arts bout, um, but I am going to go with Bonfim here. I, you know, I really I like him here in, in Brazil again with his brother on the card as well, which you know we've seen both of them perform during <laughs> under those circumstances in Brazil together. Um, plus, you just can't ignore the talent, especially in the grappling. Right at the end of the day, sometimes that's the best thing just to go with um, is who you believe is just more talented. Um, he's going to have to be careful, as you guys mentioned. Likes to come out swinging, but does leave the chin up, which does worry me. Um, and he does not want to get caught by uh, Dolby here, man. Um, but I do think he will find. Ooh, does he find the submit? You know what? You guys both said a finish, and here's here's what I'm gonna say. I think the more that I watch Dolby, but I will say, I'm so I'm gonna take Bonefim. I'm gonna take a gamble. I'm gonna say by decision. Okay. I I, I think Dolby is. As I think there's a reason Nick Dalby has never been finished. He is mm-hmm. tough as nails. Um, and maybe Bonfim is this guy. And I'll say if he finishes, I will be even more impressed and hype as, than I mm-hmm. am. I'm a big... Go ahead. So I was gonna say, you think that taking the guy who's never been finished to lose by decision is a, is a gamble? I guess maybe not. That's fair enough. Well, I think it is against a guy that's 15 and 0 with 15 finishes. He's, I mean, because that's impressive in itself as well. So I guess maybe to an extent it is. But you got to think, Nick Dalby went three rounds with Daniel Rodriguez, who is a phenomenal striker, didn't mm-hmm. get finished there either. Now, could be different in terms of the grappling as well. But again, Dolby's not a bad grappler, man. Um, so I'll, I will say decision here, man. I, 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 And even if not, I would say a, a late round you know, finish because um, Dolby's just one of those guys, too, that just fights pissed off. And I, mm-hmm. I got a feeling he's going to come in mad. He's going to feel like <laughs> they're setting me up, you know, I, I don't know. And, and he, but he's a guy where I feel like that aggression could actually play into his game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, 
I don't know, but I'm going to take, I will take Bonfim there, but I will say genuinely, if Nick Dalby wins a decision here, would not be surprised because we don't know what bon, uh, Bonfim will look like later. You know, if this right. does go into round three and he's been going wild and squeezing on check and his arms are burned and his mm-hmm. legs are burned, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I, I just don't know if, it, that's why also I took first round. Obviously, he's been getting those, but the, his ability to land those when everybody, when you're dry and you're not sweaty and all those yeah. things. And, you know, so you see a lot of people pull back for those and it's just not quite there and they do burn their arms yeah. out but he just has this ability to find that spot and also on this card and as i mentioned uh this is a great card packed full of young brazilian and even south american talent in general you know a couple that stick out for me um, um in the fights that i'm most excited for is uh kyle bohalio versus oh. abus magomedov you know remember abus was this worldy right and then sean trickland just came in and derailed that hype remember dana mm-hmm. nobody wants to fight this guy <laughs> And honestly, I almost previewed this fight over the co-main event, mm-hmm. but I just feel like we don't know much about a boost yet, right? right. You know, Kyle uh, obviously being ranked inside the top 15. They're, this is the UFC. They must really believe in a boost because they're trying to give him another shot to get mm-hmm. him into the rankings and get him some, you know, ranked opposition. But I am, I, I'm... We're not officially making a pick here, but I love Kyle Bahio. I am on the Kyle train here. I like him in this fight, especially, you know, what we saw in that Strickland. In the way of boost gas, I could see that happening again here with Kyle because he's going to be all over him. You also have uh, Hadolfo Vieira versus Armand Petrosian in a classic striker versus Mm -hmm. grappler matchup. This feels like a throwback, like this matchup. You know, you got the uh, jiu-jitsu world champion versus the kickboxing world champion Mm -hmm. or, you you know whatever it's like the old damian maya fights where it's like don't yeah. let him get on that backpack my boy that'll be a fun one uh then as i mentioned you have gabrielle's brother ishmael bonfim who's taking on vince uh is it from help as shell i think so, so. Yeah. yeah i love vince michelle but man he's up against it here against ishmael bonfim but bonfim is coming off a loss so um it's not like out of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. um but another one that i want everybody to keep their eyes on um is daniel marcos i think this guy is the real deal at 15 and 0 he's a uh, bantamweight um and he takes on victor hugo on the prelims i really like daniel marcos i he's if you can beat wavy davy yeah i know that that one kind of turned me on to him and then when you go back and watch on the film like this kid might be like legitimate uh, I think he's from Peru, Peruvian, I believe. Mm. So that's why I said some South American in there as well, because uh, we'll see. But that's if you're looking for a good prelim, check out Daniel Marcos. I don't know what number he is on the bout, but any other that stick out to you guys before we move into? You got Mark DeCasey on the card. You yeah, got Angela some, Hill. There's some good names, man. It's not this um, isn't a bad card. Is it Fakhrudimov? Fakhrudimov, yep. He's on there. He's another one to watch out for. So just a good card. And, I mean, like you said, Brazil's bringing out a lot of 9-0, and you know, two, three lost guys. So yeah. they're really trying to do kind of what the UFC's done a really great job of this year when you talk about, like, the Paris cards and, and even, like, yeah. with nine, 294 with some of the different um, fighters they had on there. So Yeah. Absolutely, boys. Let's move into our top five most well-rounded. Um, so last week, one in one of the UFC 294 uh, ESPN pre-fight shows, uh, DC, Bala Muhammad, and a couple other, I can't remember who they had on there, did their top five most well-rounded UFC fighters. Um, and I thought it would be fun for us to do this as well. But uh, we also have to try and make things a little different for this podcast. We try not to just completely <laughs> replicate. Um, so I did put a little spin and add a stipulation. And that is no champions. Mm-hmm. Right. That's kind of who was on their list. Um, you know, most of the 
fighters on their list were champions. Um, and I did that also because I feel like it's just easy to default to champions. Like, mm -hmm. well, if they got a belt, they must be pretty well-rounded. So right. I really wanted to challenge us. Um, and uh, I think, uh, I don't know. I thought I was going to make it a little bit, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be for me, yeah. I guess, in the end. <laughs> but Did you do an actual, like, number one, number two, or is it just five people, no order? Oh, this is an order. You okay. better have done an I, order. I mean, I did it in order. I was we, just making we sure. We do the hard work around here. <laughs> uh, so, so remember, uh, but remember, I do want everybody, I do want to stress this. This isn't necessarily our top five best non-champion fighters, right? Um, it's the ones that we think are the most well-rounded, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what is well-rounded? I'm sure a lot of people are maybe thinking like, well, what is that? You know, how do you classify that? And I told you guys to set up your own criteria for that. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you see? I think it's a very subjective thing anyways. Um, so I want you guys to divulge that as we dive into this as well. I think we'll start with that um, with John. Uh, who do you have ranked at number five? But before you give um, us your criteria or, or your pick, give us your criteria. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So to determine my top five list uh, with Fernand champions, I looked at a couple of factors. First thing I looked at was finishes. Um, there's plenty of knockout artists and submission aces, but one of my criteria is the ability to get both. Um, some guys have more recently added submissions or recently went on a streak of knockouts, but overall you had to have a mix of both to make my list to show that you're uh, well-rounded offensively. The second thing I looked at was defense and durability, uh, strike defense, takedown defense, chain cardio, those type of things, the ability to endure and recover, make adjustments, whether that's um, between rounds or mid-fight, all these fighters have that ability to get hurt and recover or work their way out of bad positions. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I looked at um, is what it takes to defeat that fighter. As a well-rounded fighter, I feel like um, my choices don't have a set game plan or blueprint that you can beat them with. You kind of just have to really bring your A game and find a hole, and there's not very many of them. Who is your number five most well-rounded fighter? I'm, I right want to... And again, this is right now, just right. in the UFC... Don't want anybody to lose their mind. So this, one, this 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 could be different <laughs> in three months. So, so two things I did. One, I didn't do um, multiple people from the same weight classes. I tried to to switch it. I uh, keep it a variety. And two, I wanted to try to make sure we didn't necessarily um, copy each other. So it's not reading off the ending. So my number five is Nikita Kroilov. Okay. Um, he's somebody that you don't initially think of at first, but he's really built himself as one of the toughest outs in a very tough light heavyweight division. He has double digit subs and KOs. Um, you can't count him to be outstruck from who he's faced or even be out grappled. He doesn't have a lot of big holes in his game. Um, and he always bounce backs from some of his, he, he'll lose a couple and then he'll bounce back. And that's kind of what he's done at this point. Mm. Um, he's not necessarily great in any area, but you can count on him to sub a submission guy or even knock out a striker. Already, Brandon, uh, before Brandon, you get to your criteria, number five, how many times do you think Jose Aldo is going to be on John's list? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you think he's probably four and at least four and two, right? Oh yeah, something, something like that. <laughs> he'll, he'll be like WC Jose Aldo, number four, number oh, yeah, they're two, different. yeah, 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 champion W <laughs> over <Jose>. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I, I spent probably the most time trying to figure out what did I what did I consider, consider the criteria to be well rounded. Yeah. Like that took a stupid amount of time. Islam. I'm not even going to talk about. <laughs> oh, well, you have champ, to be Islam. So. All right, number five. Yeah. So no okay, no champ. So what I look for in terms of what it means to be well-rounded so number one is you have to have some cardio like you, you can't be somebody who gets fatigued in fights or have shown that in previous fights um the next one is pure boxing so i want to see the ability to throw combinations one twos threes and fours move your head off center lines and really good footwork kickboxing so what i mean there is i want to see a blend of strikings with your hand and with your legs um can't be just one or the other just kind of blend them both sure 
The next thing is wrestling, which specifically in this instance, what I mean by that is takedowns. The ability to dictate the fight going from standing to the floor and mm. pretty pretty consistently with that. The next one is grappling, which means for me like control. So when you get okay. somebody on the ground or in the clinch, can you control what is happening in that space? And then the next one is submissions. Pretty obvious, just the ability to finish submissions. Sure. Demonstrate an ability to evolve and adapt when needed in a fight, also over the course of your career. So you can't be somebody who has a, like a one-trick pony and then you just ride that out your whole career. I want to see you evolve over time mm. and make adjustments in fight, which ties into the last thing for me, which is fight IQ. Mm. So not dropping for heel hooks in the fourth round against Francis Ngannou, <laughs> doing things like that. I want to see you making good decisions based off how the fight's going. So that's my criteria. Alrighty, Who's your number five? Number five for me, and I again, th this is... I'll explain any questions you guys have. So number five for me is Ilya Tapura. Um, I think he's demonstrated almost everything I've listed here. With There's some exceptions for almost everybody I listed. So his is, I don't feel like we've seen him pushed yet. So I, I, we haven't really got to see his cardio get pushed too hard. We haven't seen him have to make adjustments mid-fight. We haven't seen him face anybody who's forced him to dig in those sorts of ways. But right now, from what I've seen, he's taken about six to seven of those mm -hmm. boxes. So he's my number five. Yeah, this is funny. This is why I wanted us to all have our own criteria because we all have a lot of things that are very similar. But I feel like each one of us has like things that make it very different and that's interesting because I can at least speak for my list and your guys's number fives didn't even make my list now mm. Ilya I do have an honorable mention which we'll get to at the end Ilya was on there um and I'll explain that here in a sec as well um but yeah that's just kind of funny that's why I wanted it to make it original to each of us uh, mine uh much like John's First off is you had to have a good balance of submission and knockout finishes. Um, I did give higher scores to former champions as well, um, especially ones who finish uh, fights in multiple ways. You know, I look for guys who get finishes against high-ranked opponents as well. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, guys who were preferably ranked in the top five as well because, again, um, they don't have to be the best, but it is the best in terms of being well-rounded. So if you're displaying that at the highest level, I have to rate that a little bit higher. And then again, just to be the best, you have to beat the best, um, which is still the point. Like we do want the best overall, you know, well-rounded. Um, and uh, lastly is just the eye test is what I kind of called it. And that's just how I personally view the fighter, uh, which I'll get, you know, kind of makes sense with one of my picks a little bit. Uh, later is I do person do I personally see them as a well-rounded or dominating multiple facets of the sport um, and have we seen them face adversity that was another thing that John even said as well I think maybe both of you guys did um, in terms of just like being like in every aspect of fighting you know mm -hmm. have they been on their back have they been rocked do they recover well um, anything else yeah I think that's all my that was all my criteria so my number five um, and I found my number five to be the hardest because one through four, as soon as I thought about this, it's so crazy how like one, two, three, four, I literally did it in like five seconds. Mm -hmm. Number five was tough because I do have a couple that I wanted to put here, but I uh, ultimately defaulted to Mataj Gamrot, um, just a guy that's so good at everywhere. And um, a big thing again for me, because ranking and, and, and quality of opponent was a big thing for me is his last four wins were against ranked opponents, mm -hmm. all guys inside the top 15. Um, and he's got a very high grappling pedigree. Um, but as of late, you know, we've just seen the striking really be impressive as well. So that's why he snuck in here at number five as well. So with that, John, who is your number four? For number four, I'm going Benil Darush. Um, one of the best ways to show your growth is to change the narrative of how you win fights. And I felt like coming in as kind of a more grappler-heavy guy and getting with a coach who's one of the best striking coaches in the world um, really had its perks for him. 
Um, he's out grappled people like Matej Gamrat, who you have at your five. Yeah. Uh, Tony Ferguson as well, obviously, that doesn't age as well. but And he's knocked out multiple people on a road to eight wins in a row. Um, and until he recently lost to Charles Oliveira, some did and some still do think he's the guy who has a skill set to beat Islam. And I think to be even in that conversation, you have to be one of the most well-rounded in the world. See, I thought about Benil, but I saw Benil, I think at the end, I and mean, again, like you get so nitpicky, but I just felt like um, a little bit too grappling heavy for like mm-hmm. what I was looking for in terms of like, well-rounded right um i just feel like he's one of those guys that just level changes level like he's just mm-hmm. like kind of relent- relentless um because another guy who i even took off my honorable mention list was uh cory sanhagen i had him i bal- i actually had him in the top i had him at five at one point mm-hmm. as well because i'm like you know came in as a striker now we're seeing wrestling but i'm like really just haven't seen the jits from him though either you know yeah. like so you do get really nitpicky but i i did consider benny for a minute but i'm like, I thought like the um grappling jacar close knockout and some of the other knockouts yeah, he had on the crazy. way up you, you just see him putting his hands together but it's sure. getting to his submissions yeah who okay. you got number four so, so my number four is shavkat rachmanov yeah. yeah so i mean he was one of my honorable <laughs> yeah so i mean eight tkos nine submissions overall in his career um, he, he again he checks off all of those boxes that I listed for my criteria the only kind of knock I would say for him right now is that fight with Jeff Neal I really started to question the IQ or the yeah the fight IQ there because to me it seemed like we really need to get this guy down because yeah. he's really tagging him up but I still I'm still giving him a chance here I think there's a potential I think everyone's got that one where you just didn't have your best night but I think we have guys that we've talked about that are kind of like this next gen. We talk about the progression of the sport all the time, and you kind of have to have a little bit of everything. You can't necessarily be a one-trick pony. I mean, you've got Derek Lewis and those guys, yeah. but Shafkat has always been one of those guys since he's kind of burst onto the scene that we've talked about in that way, yeah. you know, kind of being this next gen type of guy. So, yeah, he's my number four. My number four is Gilbert Dorino Burns. Uh, Gilbert's a guy that, and this is kind of why I put him here because this was like something that stuck out for me is, I always have a hard time thinking of how guys are going to beat Gilbert Burns, you know, because he is so well-rounded. Um, he's just dangerous everywhere and has always been competitive against the best guys in the world as well. Um, and I still believe Gilbert has a, a very good shot of becoming a champion one day um, in, in the UFC. I really believe that. So that's why he got in at number four for me. John, who is your number three? For my number three, I'm going Brandon Moreno. Um this guy's evolution and career path is a movie in itself, but being able to yeah. submit the people he's submitted and the people he's been able to outstrike is just a testament to how he continues to get better. Um, usually whenever he's lost, it's been to tough guys. He's almost impossible to finish, and his ability to make adjustments got highlighted by being 2-1-1 one, and one against Davis and Figueredo in the quadrilogy. Love it. Brandon, who's your number three? My number three is Brandon Moreno. So I, I actually, I was funny because I felt like I could have like four flyweights on my list. Like yeah. that, to me, that was just the most, yeah, Figueredo almost made the, mine the most yeah. well-rounded division overall. So I had Moreno again for all the reasons I listed in my criteria. And then as John mentioned over here, I mean, he's just, he's demonstrated his ability of, across all these fights he's had recently in with Figgy. I mean, mm. so yeah, number, number three is, is Brandon as well. My number three is Espinal, Tommy Espinal. <laughs> da, da, da. Yeah, one thing about Espinal is, you know, of course he's a finisher, but for me, one thing that really stuck out is the ability, the wrestling ability, you know, to get the fight down is so next level. And it's like, you know, you see guys who's like striking and jujitsu and they're finishers, but it's like if you can't get the fight down, you know, um, what good is all that sometimes, right? Um, and he's found a way of mix 
mixing all of that together as well, and it's why he's about to compete for an interim world title. Um, I do have him at third, and you know, rather than being a little bit higher, um, because he just hasn't done it as much against the highest level, like you know, my my top two picks, which we're going to see in a minute. Um, so that's why I stuck him in here at three. But yeah, just all around phenomenal game, um, and. He's going to be really tough even for Sergey, you know, who's looked unstoppable to be. So, and he's like the same thing is like, which we've talked about, which never mind, because we'll get to that's next week. That's next week's episode. <laughs> I, was about to go, I was about to go through a whole thing about Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Pavlovich. Like, we're not going to talk about it next week. John, who's your number two? Uh, in my number two, I have Tommy Aspinall. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I think when we break him down, the first thing we always mention is that ability to mix the striking yeah. and his takedowns. Um, it's so seamless, man. Like, I even went back and was like, going in some of those and it's like man the way he just like won one two level change like it's just crazy how to smooth watch and fast it to is. watch his striking and how smooth it was in his last fight and then watching like the power double leg against orlovsky yeah. into the takedown or into the submission um i think that even like kind of back to the eye test for me is like when i see a guy that just can like make his mind up like i'm just gonna do this and they do it to yeah. expert like like in that situation it was like all right i've had enough of this bye <laughs> yeah. like, like that's just so next level and, and then aside from the mid-fight injury he's shown an adaptability in his approach that puts him toward the top of my mm -hmm. list um anybody who can switch up seamlessly in between those things and i mean i think he presents a skill set that can really only be rivaled by like a john jones in that mm -hmm. division so yeah. that's why i have him at my number two my number two is actually Corey Sanhagen. Really? So, yeah, it's interesting because you said... I'm you, interested to hear your reason. Yeah, I, so... I literally... I know I had him at five. I might have had him down at four even as mm -hmm. well. well I, I had him in and out a couple times. So, obviously, a guy, as you mentioned, who's changed... He, he's shown evolution throughout his career, right? Yeah. He's got a great dynamic striking, but he's also proved the last few fights he can wrestle really well. He can yeah. control really well. You, you mentioned, like, your kind of knock on him was the jits, yeah, right? Yeah, the Aljo but, thing just got to me in the end. Okay, okay. So, so my thing with the Aljo <laughs> thing is I feel like, again, same with uh, Rachmanov and Jeff Neal. Like, yeah. Everyone can have a night where, you know, you just, sure. if, if Aljo gets on your back, it's probably going to go one way, yeah. right? It's really tough. But to me, that that just is what it is. I think if those guys fight 10 times, I don't think yeah. that happens nine times. I think that's maybe like a, I think they go five and five, yeah. right? So I think with the Jits as well, I pay attention not just to submissions, but it's also like ability to transition and utilize jujitsu even defensively. Yeah. So Corey Sanhagen tore um, Dillashaw's, what was it, MCL, ACL mm -hmm. with heel hooks. He inv inverts all the time. Yeah, that's good. Constantly that's throwing up triangles. That's something like, I didn't think about. Another example to me is Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards to me has super underrated jiu-jitsu. I distinctly remember in his second fight with Usman, he was in bottom half guard and was able to hit this like scissor sweep yeah. to kind of elevate him up and then shrimp out and get to his feet. That's really, really great yeah. jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. like, that's not just him, Derek Lewis, standing up. That's, right. I have an understanding of the game. So anyway, um, Corey Sanhagen checks that box for me. So yeah, he was my number two. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think about the 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 TJ Dillashaw. That's a great thing, like a great point that I didn't think about. And my my thing that I was going to mention with San Hagen, <clears throat> and kind of like the honorable mention thing was, I feel like if we do this next year, there's a good chance he's in there just because I think he continues. He's wrestling the, now a lot more. The well-rounded aspect is like you you definitely aren't going to be if he continues on this trajectory, you're definitely not going to be able to deny mm -hmm. it. You know, the the larger sample size we get of it. My number two is Brandon Moreno. Uh, 
Yeah, what's interesting about Moreno is he doesn't really have the the KO TKO finishes in comparison to the sub wins that I said, you know, I kind of look for. Um, but no one would question how good his boxing is, right? Mm-hmm. And it continues to even get better. Uh, so this is kind of like getting back to like what I said, you know, some of the eye test stuff that comes into this. Like you have to have kind of that aspect of it. Um He's really good wrestling as well as ground game. You guys all said it already. You know, I think what I will add, the only thing that specifically sticks out to me on the ground game is his ability to scramble and create Mm -hmm. scrambles, but then how good he is in the scramble and how dangerous he is. Um, But again, you know, he's another guy who, you know, stylistically is just a tough matchup for everybody. Kind of like I said for Burns, I'm like, how how are you going to beat this guy? You know, every time he's in there. So that's my number two. And with that, getting to our number one overall, John, who is your number one most well-rounded non-UFC champion. Jose, oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Shavkat Rachmanov. I, I think, oh, wow. Uh, that's, I, a, that's a bit of a shot. That's now, interesting. I think, first of all, I think this guy is a created player. Um, <laughs> he scares grapplers with his striking, and he scares strikers with his grappling. There's wow. a reason that Wonderboy doesn't want to fight him because he grapples yeah. so well, but then he knocks guys out. Um, he's undefeated. Every single fight's been a finish. That's the, you know, goes into my, and it's almost a complete split, sure. KOs and uh, subs. And um, if something isn't working, he pivots to the next attack. I know you keep on bringing up the Jeff Neal fight, but he decided to finish that with a standing choke. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if decided to finish that with a standing choke. But, I mean, right but I'm just saying nobody ever even tries those. He was just like, ah, I guess I'll just put my foot over and. Yeah, wow. I will say like kind of to, like maybe more to John's point that I see is like there was aspects in that fight where I felt like he was almost toying with He's him. Trying now stuff. he was losing at times because of it and putting mm. himself in bad places. But I just remember like never really feeling like he was going to, you know, like I was like, oh, he needs to be careful there with Jeff, a guy like Neil. But he did kind of give the vibe that he was just in total control. But that to me, time. and again, I'm very nitpicky, but that to me goes back to the whole fight IQ thing. Yeah. Like, like, well, that, that's why I said that's but, why I wanted us to do our own criteria because that's yeah. what makes this so fun is uh, like what you wait because like for me I would never he didn't he's in my honorable mentions I was going to mm-hmm. mention here in a minute with Shavkat but uh, I weighed the you know ranking and who right. he beat and higher contenders a little bit higher than yeah. like what you did which is why you put him at one so he, w- he didn't even make my top five because of that right. but everybody but, you know but I think there's something to people not wanting to fight him as well sure. but I, I think uh, you know to, I do think there's a level of because I don't think people that wasn't a desperation choke sure. that was him just trying something and pivoting to it and getting the finish right um, so I you know I kind of put here that can't get the knockout standing choke yeah. uh, fighting the takedowns hard he's throwing spinning punch and kicks and uh, I think he has the biggest ceiling in the promotion and I think he would have even made my list at five if we included champions fair enough Brandon who is your number one Tom Aspinall so yeah you guys have have touched on him already Uh, for me yeah like you guys said his ability to blend everything together is fantastic for a lot of it for me what kind of puts him so high is it seems to me like he's very aware of what he needs to do in the middle of a fight to to adjust so what i mean by that is like you see his striking ability his ability to kick his last fight it was all mm. stand up you know great striking but then we goes out against volgov blast double yeah. straight into a straight arm bar right so i think he's very capable of understanding how what his method to victory is more than likely going to be yeah the only knock on Arsenal at this point is he's i don't think we've ever seen him again push right? i don't think we've right. seen him you know have to go five rounds have to dig deep make big adjustments if he starts getting rocked or somebody sure. shuts down his you know his shots but that's not no that's his fault the same way my earlier guys who haven't been there yet that's not their fault we just i need to see it before i can really say it 
Alrighty, my number one, and, and I'm really shocked. I literally kind of had a feeling this was going to be all of our number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I'm being honest, I definitely thought this guy would have been in all of our top fives for sure, is Charles Oliveira. Um, I'll be honest, I think uh, even if we included champions, kind of like John said with Shafkot, uh, Oliveira would have been number three for me. Mm-hmm. The only people I would put over him would be Islam and Jones. Jones would be one, Islam two, Oliveira would be three in terms of most well-rounded. Um, I For me, when I I think of the ideal mixed martial artist, it's Charles Oliveira. You mm-hmm. know, um, I get maybe he doesn't have the wrestling like some other guys have, but when you're as good as Charles Oliveira is off your back, like right. it doesn't really matter. And then, you know, to counter that, his uh, tie clinch, his ability to beat guys up in the clinch is something that a lot of guys today don't have in mixed martial arts. So mm-hmm. I see that almost as this a counter to the wrestling as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I to me, I was really surprised. I thought for sure. Well, part <laughs> of, that's why I said at the beginning, I, one, since I put Benil, I couldn't put him because I didn't want to copy um, weight sure. classes. But I would put Charles over Benil. Well, but, but what I was also trying to do is I didn't want to copy. I didn't want to have to try to oh, say the okay, same things that everybody else was saying. So I tried to dig a little bit, but yeah. he was definitely right there, um, along with like Aljo, who you know we've seen mixed his striking and Aljo wrestling. Didn't even make mine because he or Cejudo, who has so both good. things. Cejudo would be a good one. Aljo is just too grappling heavy for me. I didn't indicate this, but I think the thing that deters me from Oliveira is just his he's consistently getting dropped and getting but hurt. He's so durable, which was one of your things. Yeah, That's why when you said durability, I was like, I oh, did yeah. say no durability wasn't on my list. You said it was chin. on mine. Car- no, thought- cardio was on mine. Yeah, I mean, that, those, those kind of go hand in hand. Mm, car- to cardio, to me, is most is just all fatigue. Yeah, I don't know. But we can go through most of all of our guys. I mean, except for like maybe Shavkat or Aspinall who have been dropped. I mean, look at freaking Brandon Moreno. Who yeah. Can, who gets dropped yeah. more than You know, maybe maybe him and like Oliveira would be neck and neck in terms of getting rocked. No, I mean, I'm not like yeah. sliding you guys. It's your pick. I just thought, I like when I made that pick, I was just like, this feels like low-hanging fruit. But mm. I was really surprised he didn't even make your top five. As, as we were going down and we got to number one i thought for sure i was like mm-hmm. oh yeah we all got all of it when he said shavkat like was number three four. number four i was like well this is gonna be a shake yeah up. so so real quick so my um and you guys can add any of yours the ones that were my honorable mentions that were close like i said that fifth one i, I really flipped guys in and out um as i was kind of moving through the roster Ilya Tapuria was one that i was right on the thing shavkat Corey sanhagen and then the one again i'm kind of surprised he didn't make any of our lists, I almost feel like I need to just put him in there, uh, is Mavzari Vloyev. I mean, mm. dude, and the reason he didn't, the only reason him and, and I guess Ilya as well, really all of them that I didn't put in there, is just uh, quality of opponent. You mm. know, just want to see him do it against kind of the higher uh, quality opposition. But, dude, I think I think Mavzar is a champion this time next year. I, I genuinely believe that. I went back and forth for about 15 minutes between Gamrot and Ilya. They, yeah. They... That was where I have Ilya, and I actually was going to lead with, I wish I could do a 5A, 5B, because it would have been Ilya and Gamrot. Um, I just did Metalge, because when you look at his last uh, four win, because he has the the loss to Benil, as John Mm. mentioned in there. Um, Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner, uh, Diego Fajeda, Armand Sarukian, and... um, uh, just Faiziv, which, okay, you can take away the Faiziv one, I guess. But, dude, that's an amazing four-fight mm-hmm. run, and that's just kind of why I did it. But then again, Taporia is about to fight for a yeah. world title, so yeah. it's not – I'm not mad at anybody's list. I just, I, uh, I almost put Yair in because I thought, like, the submission win like or the Ortega. Just, see, I considered Ortega, but I'm like, again, kind of like with the Sanhagen, it's like – 
Ortega's striking has kind of just started coming around, yeah. right? And then, geez, who knows when that guy's going to fight next? Right. Holy cannoli! Where and where, even some there were some middleweights I considered like a Whitaker or Drakus Duplessis who just I didn't even kind of get to everything. Is there any light heavyweights to sit out to you? No. Yeah, that's what I was. I mean, thinking I had through. I'm like, no, I had uh, Nikita Krolov. See, that's who was my. No, that, that's what's so funny. I had when I looked at middleweight, I was like, amp. No, yeah. <laughs> like in terms of like well rounded, yeah. and then when I looked at. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe Drikas could fall into that a little bit. I'd have to think more about it. But then, uh, yeah, light heavyweight, same thing. Like, <laughs> like it's, a lot, it's a lot of power strikers. Yeah, they're just the in terms of like well rounded. I just I did not really see it. Uh, yeah, dude, Brian Ortega, Gregor Gillespie, those guys are like neck and neck now. And where, mm-hmm. where are you? Who are you? Who are you, John? Let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on the news. Mm-mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The news. <laughs> The main event injury bug continues from 294 as it was announced by Dana White that heavyweight champion John Jones was out of his 295 main event fight with Stipe Miocic. Jones has injured in training while rest in a wrestling exchange, torn his pectoral tendon off the bone, and has now since got the surgery to rep- uh, repair it and will be out for the foreseeable future. Um, the said recovery time is at least eight months. Um, Dana also announced that the former co-main event with Yuri Prohashka and Alex Pajeda will, for the light heavyweight title, will now be moved to the main event. Um, and then the second biggest shakeup of that is the co-main event now being Tom Aspinall and Sergey Pavlovich for the interim heavyweight title. Yeah, I was gonna, <clears throat> I was gonna bring up, like, I was gonna ask a lot of questions here, but again, kind of like with the, the top five there. We're going to get into all this next week because we'll be previewing these fights. So we will shelve that discussion for next week. Okay. Because there's a lot of things to obviously discuss and unpack in there. I'm just so excited for Alex and Yuri. Like every time people mention that fight, I, I just know. like. Did you oh. see Yuri's new hairdo? <laughs> <laughs> Holy. Yeah, what the? Um, there's no way that's all real either. Uh, I don't know. Like I'm, that has to be extensions. I, I don't know how that stuff works. <laughs> that's out of my skill. And then just, dude, this man Alex hitting pads and stuff is just so scary. Yeah. Uh, let me skip four paragraphs that I uh, broke down some of that because I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how just, much you wanted me to cover. No, nah, I'll save it for next uh, Justin Gaethje has said to be willing to wait for a title shot if the UFC elected to rebook Islam versus Oliveira. Um, he was asked if he'd be interested in fighting Max Holloway as he waits to see what they will do for the next shot. Justin said that he doesn't want to fight Max, that he likes him and doesn't prefer to punch him, but if he has to, he would, which Max responded on X saying that if you change your mind, bruh, how about we do one for the fans? Brada. BMF. How do you guys feel about that? What, the potential fight? Or? I, I told you guys, I made a graphic a while ago for the MMA Underground, and everybody, like, persecuted it. Like, <laughs> no, whoa, duh, 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 duh. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Like, I don't know. Sometimes the, like, casualness of mixed martial mm-hmm. arts fan is a little, like, I don't know. Do, I you guess, think, do you think Justin chances the title opportunity to take the max fight? Or do you think he tries to yeah. hold out to see? Well, obviously this will come down because the UFC could still book him in. He might not own. have a choice. Like, what are you going to do? Sit on the sideline for yeah. another year potentially? Like, what if somebody gets, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, Justin's a guy who seems to be like kind of half in, half out with in terms of whether he's retiring or wants to chase the belt. But or, I feel like if he wanted nothing to do with it, he would have just said it when he was asked yeah. about it. He wouldn't have even floated the idea of max. I well, mean, he was like, you know. You know, I don't know, Chandler, I beat him, Dustin, just beat him, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then he just kind of floated the max idea. It's like, if if that was, if the plan was to not, he would have just made, like, he would have stood on that. Like, I'm not fighting nobody till it's for a belt. Right. You know what I mean? And he didn't, which means I think he realizes he's going to have to fight again. Yeah. Um, next, it seems that... Oh, Who's next for Islam? 
they haven't announced it yet. I mean, I guess you could just... Da- yeah, that's what I'm saying. He might wait, because okay. Dana, Dana brought up thinking that Oliveira makes the most sense, but they didn't, like, fully announce it. That's what... Okay, Oliveira. I, I was yeah. trying to remember. I knew there was another... There was a reason <laughs> why... Sense. Yeah, I knew there was a reason You're why... You're number one. <laughs> yeah, why they were asking... well-rounded. ...asked him about that. And yeah. because Dana said he'd rather do the Oliveira, which I totally disagree with. I think yeah. that fight's always there. Um, I, I think you you do Justin, and so. I think with I Islam, there's that. also that there is that point where he's not fighting for Ramadan in yeah. between the years. So if you don't get him early, you have to kind of get him late. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But with like, that. And, and even if you're Max, like, look, Max does. I mean, it's not our decision, but Max can totally stay at featherweight and you know keep kicking the tire there if he wants. But right. I still think if you're Max Holloway, there's so much more for you at lightweight. You know, just as a fan from a mm-hmm. fan's perspective of like. The matchups there are insane, but you know that's up to him to like make that decision if he physically wants to to go up to that weight class. Can he? You know, there's right. there's I understand he's he's still a featherweight, but you know, there's still right. options there. Uh, and guys go up and down weight classes all the time. Like the fact that people think like Justin and Max is crazy. Well, dude, Islam and Volk was crazy. Like what <laughs> right. are you talking? Max has already fought Dustin. Yeah, like, well, that, that's title. why everybody. That's why everybody said it. Like when so I that, that. That's why it was crazy. That's why people, yeah, he, he already got beat up by Dustin. Like, yeah, in a, like, wasn't that a short notice yeah, that, for that, an interim belt? Yeah, like, no. what do you guys? To talk? me, that's evidence. That's why what it I'm makes saying. Sense. Like, that's why I was just like, I, I don't want to start like making it seem like I'm just like, oh, I'm mightier than them because I don't know nothing either. Right. But I got two eyes and I know history and I remember <laughs> that that fight was last minute. Like, like went five rounds. It was yeah, he didn't yeah. get finished. Yeah, I mean, he got beat up against but, like, against a g- great boxer. Yeah, like, I'm just yeah. like you guys is like sometimes the people are just like I don't know. And we even talked about that with how some of the graphics that were being posted for responses were, uh, yeah. were being framed. Yeah, so the, like they're trying to make it seem like yeah, yeah. Uh, it seems like Ian Gary has overstayed his welcome as he was told that he can no longer cross train at Team Renegade, home of welterweight champion Leon Edwards. Uh, Gary said he was told that Leon doesn't want any insecurities or doubts on his gym. Uh, I haven't seen anything from Leon or his coaches, no. but I also know that Ian Gary likes to stir stuff up, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I'd have to know the other side of that right. to really comment. But for him, I mean, Ian Gary's kind of trained almost everywhere. Sure. So as he keeps moving up, he's probably going to run into this a lot more. People are like, I don't want this guy. I might have to fight you yeah. know, sooner than later uh, coming in. Uh, as we assumed last week, it seems that Roman Dolidze will be without an opponent as Jared Cannonier is officially out of their matchup with the torn MCL. As you guys will remember, Jared was the original replacement for Hamzat, but had to pull out of that with an injury, so now we know what that injury was. Yeah, which my thing is, like, as soon as they knew, like, as soon as, like, Cannonier was basically made the fight to replace, then they should have been already looking for a new opponent for Dolidze because... I mean, you would have to have assumed, like, well, there's a chance Cannoneer could get injured against Hamzat Shimaev. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. so they should have already, once they made that decision, I mean, really in theory, like we're kind of talking about with the Fury Usyk, you usually don't make guys' next fights before they fight. So it's right. like, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, one thing that I just thought, how crazy is it that Hamzat didn't even make any of our lists? Like, we're so tainted by that last fight with yeah. Usman that he didn't even make any of our lists. Yeah, it That's is funny. interesting. Um, but, but now this opens up Roman Dolidze for some maybe some matchups that of guys we yeah. haven't seen matched up yet. Uh, and the last thing I got is Anthony Pettis and Benson Henderson will be having a trilogy fight. Yeah. But not in an MMA cage. They will headline combat karate. Uh, both fighters have agreed to fight at 170 in December in Las Vegas. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be a cool one. Uh, John, Song of the Week. Song of the Week, I'm going to go uh, stick with the spooky vibes. Freaks Come Out at Night by Houdini. Okay, what's your one for the people? 
my one for the people, I have two things. One of them is a question for you and the other one's a question for all of us. My question for you is, would you rather get tapped out by Chase in front of the whole gym? Uh, dude, nobody knows who Chase is. This, but this is just this. for us and people this who is, know. This is like you're asking something hypothetical that nobody's going to We've, we've covered local food stuff. People don't know Okay, those. well, at least describe Chase. Give people three things that, so they can understand Chase. Chase is a guy who has a hit list of people he wants to tap. And Nate's at the top of You're that. You're not describing Chase at all. Yes, no, nobody's yes gonna I under, am. Nobody's going to understand who Chase is. Chase is a guy who we train with at the gym. Would you say he's a weenie? Mm, he yes. Has, he has weenie arms for sure. Okay. And he just got his blue belt. He's going for your neck. He wears a man bun. He's an Asian. Okay. I and there's two good things. Yes. That's true. Uh, he's an IT guy, right? So that's in there. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> that's a stretch. But that's right. a bit of a stretch. Works for Best Buy. Yeah. You're making it sound like he's one step from But the, the other <laughs> option is, would you rather be Steven Seagal's uh, presentation partner for a keto? Yeah, why not? Just what, flipping what was, you I don't. What was the stipulations again? It was just either get tapped out by Chase in front of people or let Steven Seagal just like flip you over and for those Aikido oh, yeah, uh, presentations. Yeah, I would love that. That would be fun. Because that seems way... I, which one's more embarrassing? I mean, I don't find the Steven Seagal one embarrassing at all. Where he's just like grabbing your shoulder doing this and you're doing yeah. like a triple front flip? Yeah, it's all I mean, keto though. It's not specifically Steven Seagal. Yeah. No, but I'm saying by Steven Seagal, which yeah. makes it even worse. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. All right. Well, my second question is, is there any uh, horror... I'm wearing the little Jason shirt. Is there anybody in a horror movie that you feel like you could beat in a fight? Either one of you. So like, you're taking like Mike Myers, Jason, Freddy Krueger, I mean, Scream. the Chucky doll? Chucky doll. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> a good answer. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you could beat thing. the leprechaun? I've never seen the leprechaun. Well, I mean, you know what a leprechaun looks like, I guess. Do you feel like you could beat like a hyped up leprechaun? Yeah, I mean, Chucky's Chucky screaming a Texas Chainsaw Massacre all up there yeah. for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, I always felt a like gremlin. I could probably take out a gremlin. <laughs> I always felt like the scream one would be easy because you're like so like he can't he doesn't have any peripherals with the mask on. And it's like yeah. blinded out. So I feel like you should be able to sneak in pretty easy. I mean, the same thing could be said for like Jason, though. Hockey yeah. mask. And I think Scream's the only one that doesn't have like this weird, like spooky thing to it. It's just a guy who wants to kill people doesn't, with a mask. Doesn't on. Texas Chainsaw, doesn't he wear like human skin? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's got to be hot. That's not even breathable. And he wields around like that 25 pound chainsaw. Like he can't be yeah. that hard to just. The like, better question is who who would you not want to see? You know who I don't want to see in a fight? Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. Oh, forget Jeez. that. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be licking me and stuff? Uh. Like, dude, get off me. <laughs> you feel like you could beat Candyman? Huh? You feel like you can beat Candyman? He's Never got a hook. He's got a hook it. for a hand, but he's also surrounded I, by bees. I'll be honest. I'm I'm not a scary movie aficionado. I have not seen many scary movies. I don't like them. I don't like yeah. being scared. So I'm not a big scary movie guy. Uh, my top two that I would not want to see, or top three, I'll say that I don't want to see. Jeepers Creepers. The Hills mm. Have Eyes. Mm, yeah. That's just human beings. That's just like normal cannibal dudes. Yeah, but I'm good on that. They know yeah. they know the woods. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> and the other one is, uh, uh, what was the, uh, oh. Was it, wait, I said Hills Have Eyes, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, yeah, so Jeepers Creepers, Hills Have Eyes, and then um, that wasn't the one that I was thinking. It, I was going to include that one. That's in the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one where it's the incest family. Uh, there's, there's been like wrong turn. Wrong turn. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Th- those are the ones I meant that don't want that, that know the woods. Hills have eyes. Don't want nothing to do with them again. They know the desert. I'm, you know, do you remember that 13 ghost movie? Yeah, but I didn't, there's some I, of those that look like, other yeah, I remember some of them, but that's been so long ago. Mm. Yeah. See, I don't even remember all the, the villains or whatever. I just don't really watch much. Actually, movies. I changed my answer. The ooze guy from power Rangers. <laughs> Ivan ooze. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I could put hands on him. <laughs> I don't know, man. What were your guys' favorite Halloween costumes as a kid? Oh. 
you know one year me and this dude just like spray painted hockey mask and put on a hoodie and walked around yeah that's true i had a dennis rodman mask once that was pretty sweet probably not culturally acceptable today (laughs) because i did wear it yeah uh i went as little john in middle school one time i just put on a dread wig and had a a cup and said yeah around also did a pizza slice yeah john did go to school in a pizza slice once didn't you perform billy jean in it Mm, what did you what did you wear when you sang billy Jean? i don't think i think that was just like an end of the year thing yeah it was eighth grade i thought you had something no on. it just was wearing random yeah, regular one, clothes. one time in eighth grade at our you know they did like was it like a year in yeah. eighth grade dance uh and yeah john grabbed the mic and sang billy jean in front of our entire eighth grade class yeah and then afterwards um obviously this doesn't have anything to anybody but that's when i seen um miss doing do the window floor some yeah, people yeah, i know that sucks. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I was not a really big Halloween uh, that makes costume. Sense. You just said you weren't a big scare guy. Uh, other random one for the people. I'm looking at your Yes books, your Daniel Bryan biography over there. Yeah, that's autographed really, too. Really good biography would be, uh, or autobiography would be Kurt Angle's actually. I read oh, his really? when I was a younger kid. Is it called I Don't Suck? No. Uh, I, don't cool? don't I don't think it's called anything suck. cool like that. But his autobiography is actually really good. Talks about his Olympic run where he breaks his neck and still wins the gold medal Dude. and all this he stuff. He was just on uh, was Rogan, it Rogan yeah. talking about that. He told yeah. like the whole they story. They gave him shots. I was like, you could kind of, you could probably still do this, but you're probably going to yeah. get hurt even his, worse. His book was really good. I won a gold medal with a broken freaking <laughs> neck. <laughs> he might have been the king of cringe before any, he might have been the original. Dude, when Stone Cold threw his medals off the bridge. <laughs> Dude, then you mix that with Talladega Nights. I think two uncles, your grandpa ships, war medals over the bridge. You know another like crazy wrestling uh, old like promo that I thought about the other day was <laughs> this is so bad. Do you remember when JBL, John Bradshaw, Layfield, they were like in like San Antonio, te- like it was like SmackDown. It was like peak Eddie Guerrero versus JBL days, mm-hmm. which is one of the greatest like WWF mm-hmm. storylines of all time outside mm-hmm. of like rock, you know. Um, but just as far as like when I was a kid. And there was like a, a vignette of JBL down at the border chasing Mexicans back into Mexico. <laughs> get, get out of here. He had like a flashlight. And it's just like, God, you could just uh, never dude, do that. Remember um, when, uh, I can't remember what the guy's names were. It was the. And you can look that up on YouTube. It was like, it was like a group. <laughs> I, was, I was like, hold on real quick. Cause I was like really thinking, I'm like, did they really do that? Oh yeah, dude. And like, I went back and like, it was exactly, cause you know, sometimes you think like, maybe I just remember yeah. it. That way. Oh no, 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 they yeah, went dude. there. Old wrestling was wild remember the uh was it funaki who like cut off val venus's junk with like a yeah, samurai sword I remember that you had may young getting powerbombed through tables by the yeah, dudleys yeah i remember that um too. my favorite has always just been the stone cold in the hospital with vince mcmahon when he hit him with the bed hit him with the bedpan oh. and then put like the iv up his butt or the grocery with store booker t. yeah yeah with booker t that <laughs> poured chocolate milk on him and yeah that was a fun one too. Uh, good times absolutely oh my one for the people man let's think I don't know. I didn't get much sleep this week, so that's been a whole thing. <laughs> That'd probably be get more sleep. You know what? I got one. Actually, I do have one. I thought about it today at church. I've never been um, like an emotional guy. Mm-hmm. Like Ash, she Ash gets so mad. I think I've said this again on the podcast. I think I've said this before. Is like we've been together for so long, and she's like seen me cry three times, maybe, right. and she like drives her nuts. Like we'll be in the middle of like a really intense thing. She's like, if you need to cry, you can do it. Just let it out. And I'm just like, no, nah, I'm good. Like Miley dying. I'm just like, I'm all right. You know, yeah. that was. I think actually I cried then. So I think like that would be like four. Right. Um, but. 
I'm noticing like as I get older, it is getting harder. And I've always heard yeah. that. Like the older you get, the more emotional you get. Mm-hmm. Especially when you become a parent. Mm-hmm. I've always heard when you become a parent, that's a big one. Like yeah. you cry more as a dad. Like and I mean movies from, too. Like what the yeah. heck? So that's what it was. So like Dude, don't don't watch Titanic, man. Like, dude, I've never like I've never like gotten like super like emotional and like today at church I just got like so emotional out of nowhere and I'm mm-hmm. like like I had like tears just like coming I'm like what is happening <laughs> just experience in life man I think that's what I, it maybe is maybe that's what it is like stuff just starts meaning well that's the frustrating more. part when you like when you're used to not being a thing yeah. and then you're like why can I not make this not happen <laughs> stop, stop it, these stop emotions? it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying to suck them back in your eye but well but I've noticed but movies and TV shows have been kind of like my indicator as of late where yeah. I'm just like what is that? Like, yeah, like this is so like new to me. Like yeah. I don't, I don't find myself getting, I've never been like that. And like, it's like, man, the order I'm getting, I'm getting yeah. soft out Dude, here. You guys stay away from those military come home videos. They'll get you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did real quick. I did say TV shows. I'm watching a great show on Netflix right now called bodies. Mm. Um, so if anybody out there is looking, oh, that's the one that's like different time. Periods, yeah. Right? It's so Dude, I just good. started uh, love is blind. I'm like five episodes in and oh it is so God. weird. It's like the worst. Yeah. It's like the worst, <laughs> worst ever. best. Cause it's like the, yeah. the cringe and everything that's yeah. going on. Absolutely. Uh, that is it. Come back next Saturday. We got UFC 295 to get ready yes, for. Sir, um, and if you can't tell, we are already eager to talk <laughs> about it. Cause there's a lot to talk about around this pay-per-view. Um, We'll, we'll update on maybe like a midweek episode if we're going to do a live show. Whatever. We'll figure yeah. that out this week. Um, and then obviously we'll recap Gelatin Almeida versus Derek Lewis and that whole entire card. So come back next Monday. Until then, peace. peace.